Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Jackie. So Jackie and I live near each other. We actually know each other in real life. We've met in person, which makes me excited. So Jacqueline, Jackie Glass is a Chicagoland native with 11 years Naval service. Thank you again for your service, Jackie. I know we've talked about this a couple of times. She's also was the military spouse as well. So like, she's got like the double whammy going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she recently ran for public office and launched a podcast, which everybody listening has heard of. Your Neighbor's Hood, because I've actually mentioned it on this podcast, so if you're not listening, you should be listening now. Um, It's about uncomfortable culture conversations, specifically about race, and I was actually a guest on it not too long ago, so we'll link it up in the show notes so everybody can listen and check it out. I love your podcast. I mean, we're going to get off track here for a second. I love your guys' podcast because you are willing to get out there and say the things other people are afraid to say, so... It's, it's, it's fun. I love listening to it. So I'm, I actually have the next episode in my queue. I'll be listening to it soon. So Jackie encourages women to go hard for their success through her Ladywood movement. She frequently speaks on parental leadership, triumph after trauma, and self-care. Currently, Jackie is an ambassador for the United States of Women, an organization committed to tackling gender equality. She lives by her motto, village is a verb. Jackie, her amazing patient, amazingly patient husband, and two little citizens call Norfolk, Virginia their home, and I do too for at least the next seven months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I gotta move away. Uh, but Jackie, you said in your bio that you ran for school board. What made you, what brought you to that decision? What was going on there? Because you don't often, I've never talked to anybody besides you that's run for a school board, and that's an interesting conversation. Yeah, I mean, I want to just say I love. I think Christina and I, or my co-host, we were just talking about how we love politics. And is that weird? Does it make us weird to love this sort of stuff? Um, but I knew I wanted to do something that was civically involved. Like I knew I wanted to do it, which is why I was taking courses for through this organization called Vote Run Lead. And I'm like just trying to find my footing of what you want to do something that you truly believe in. And I had heard that there's that our city, Norfolk, Virginia, was going to have the first school board election. And I was like, oh, sounds cool, but I don't know that that's something that's for me. But what kind of pushed me over the edge was, you know, I pulled my children out of private school and they had been in public school for a couple years. Um, and I had been dealing with some things that just were not, they were not up to code. It just, it didn't make sense. I don't know if it was the military mind or the mommy mind, but something was saying like, there are some policies and procedures that can be put in place that could fix a lot of these things. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna run. I'm just gonna advocate. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> but I, I had this homework house and I had uh, where these kids come over after school and I have this big whiteboard and I'm writing down my goals for the year and I wrote school board and one of the young ladies was like, oh my goodness, are you like, are you gonna open up a school, Miss Jackie? <laughs> like, it's like, absolutely not. So I had to explain to them what the school board was, what it meant, and how there was going to be an election. And they kind of spit out my words to me. were like, well, you said to show up 
and this and this and always and like I was like oh, eat my words <laughs> so that kind of pushed me over the edge and it was like you know what you're absolutely right like I am the right person for this job and I should at least try give myself my best opportunity um, to do what I love and that's really to kind of be an advocate and an activist so I decided to run it was the little citizens that pushed me over the board well what made you decide to start the the homework um, shop that you did like the homework get together the homework school whatever you want to call it <laughs> so I'm formally I well my god just I I used to um work from home so I was a virtual trainer built curriculum did all this good stuff from home so I had the luxury of being able to walk my daughter out to the bus stop every day and when I go out to the bus stop you know everybody needs a hug in the morning and you need to ask them about their day and all that good jazz. I'm doing it. And I realized there were two little girls on the bus stop. They were a set of twins. And every time I asked them if their homework was done, they're like, no, Miss Jackie, we needed help on our homework. And my mom didn't get home until eight. And, and it was like the same story. And I was like, there's absolutely no reason that they should be not having their homework ready for the next day mm -hmm. ever. You know, I mean, if, if it's because you need help on a math problem, like I'm like right here. So it started with letting those two kind of come in and do their homework. And then it evolved to the kids across the street. And then people in the neighborhood was like, do you tutor? I said, no, ma'am. Like, I don't tutor. <laughs> but I give the kids a safe place to ask questions if they need to. They use positive peer pressure and their own, they're their own sense of accountability buddies to get their homework done for the next day. So again, it was motivated by the little citizens and a need. And I believe if you see a need like that, you, you have an obligation in some sense as the, the elders, we of the elders of the world to find a solution because it's not their fault that they, you know what I mean? That they couldn't and their mom's trying to survive and they put a roof over their heads. She's not a bad parent for not being able to help, right. but I could be a bad member of the community by not seeing how I can help. So that's right. kind of started. I like how you put that. And in child psychology, which I'm taking right now, we actually talk about the importance of a community and people coming together because like you said, especially if you are in a, um, if somebody is struggling, like maybe they're a single mom or maybe they're not and they're working long hours, they're having a hard time being able to do it all. But mm -hmm. if the community can come together and say, well, like you said, I have a safe place that the kids can come. I'm home anyways. So why can't the kids come to my house and work on their homework? And then at least if they have a question, I can help them. It yeah. takes stress off the mama because now she's not so stressed out worrying about it. Mm -hmm. And the kids are able to, to succeed and thrive in school because they're getting all the things done. Yeah. And so they're, yeah. Better, they're better. You see, when you empower children, like you see their, like you can see it grow. Mm -hmm. You know, just their confidence in being able to get their homework done really changed the type of children that they were being on the bus stop, the type of children that they were being in the classroom. Like it evolved to some of the parents even allowed me to go to the school and check on their kid in class if I could during the day and said, told the teacher, it's okay to tell Miss Jackie what's going on with the kid. And we saw that in the classroom, the ones that were acting a fool and cutting up better attitudes you know, that they were, they were, they would look, they would get off the bus and be like, Oh, I'm telling Miss Jackie. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were account. They, it didn't, it went beyond just coming to the house and doing homework and just about being a good representation of our community in the world.
So it was a beautiful thing. They taught me a lot. And it was just, I, I love them kids. I do. can't stand them and I love them at the same time. Well, I feel like that about my own kids. You oh, know, like, <laughs> Some days I'm like, I love you so much. You're so cute. Look what I made. And then others I'm like, oh my God. Red, 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 red. <laughs> what did I do to myself? <laughs> So we talked about policies and procedures that you weren't, you were seeing that there was something wrong with them at school. What were certain things that were coming up for you? We have some parents that listen in and maybe they're, they're seeing these same things coming up in their school as well. Right. So I'll be very specific because in, 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 this is a small thing. Um, no, and it's not a small thing. The thing that pushed me over the head, over the edge was, um, my son, had an incident in school. Actually, he had been dealing with girls, kind of like girls were being real, real nasty, real bullying like. And there was a double standard with the way they handled him and the way he handled the young ladies that were doing things. So I'm like, look, we've got to, there's got to be, I try to contact the counselor, you know, no real response back. That was an issue because I can't hold you accountable for what is not there. So I'm looking at how to, what is the school's actual bullying policy? So they have these things that says, we don't promote bullying, but what's your, what is your actual line by line adult item so that I can say as a parent, if this, then this. So if this person doesn't do that, then I can go and say, well, hey, by the school system standards, this is what you're supposed to do. Well, my son um, had a major incident at school where he, um, he, got injured. He had to have seven stitches on the side of his head. Yep. And, and we were going through that. And so the school didn't, didn't give me an incident report. And I said, you know, I kind of want an incident. I'm sure. And just being a military person, I was like, I'm sure there is something that you should be giving me within like 24 hours or something. I'm telling them never got it. So there's another policy. You know what I mean? So I'm calling downtown and I'm reading the, the, the school's website's policy, which I feel like I'm a pretty smart person. And I couldn't, I was like, what is this? <laughs> what are these? This is not, this makes no sense. So you, you go two weeks after that. So strike one, strike two. We got the girls. We've got the, um, the policy with the injury in school. And then he gets accused of sexual harassment. <sighs> right? Yes. I know you and I know your son and I'm having a really hard time. Yeah. Again, I will never say what my child would not do in my presence. Right. Um, And I would respect the fact that the school would do the proper procedure to ensure that they figure out what actually happened. Right. I I would expect that. Right. So I will say that the school ticked along. The, The investigation took longer than it was supposed to. It was jumped into an investigation before they had people's stories. So what it ended up being was something that it was like he asked a girl if he kissed a, if she kissed a boy because they were girlfriend and boyfriend or whatever. And that was taken. Nope. Yep. You're right. That's at, an insignificant question. Hold up. The girl would listen to this. I didn't even know this until after everything was all over. So I'm going through this process with my son. Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And he is now, because it dragged on, because the investigation dragged on, he is now facing ostracism and people are saying nasty things. And and so I'm contacting the counselor. Okay, so what's the follow-up process for this? Mm -hmm. You know, what do we, how do we have a conversation with the child about what actually sexual harassment is? And anytime a child gets in trouble, whether it's suspended or, or whatever, what's the process for bringing them back into the classroom? Or what, how do we check in on them? Because his mental health, he was suicidal. I actually got called to the school wow. 
because of something that he was doing in that another student saw him doing in the bathroom. And I talked to a counselor one day, mind you, there was no counselor on staff. I talked to a counselor one day and then nothing from there. There was no follow up with him. So like it was these things that are pretty, some pretty minor, some pretty extreme that it's like, if I knew what the policy was, I could hold you accountable for it. Mm-hmm. It was written. I even went to the school board and said, hey, I see that you guys have a policy for sexual harassment. I would love it if there would be something in the policy that speaks on follow-up. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I, no one followed up with me from the school board because there's no process in place that says when and how the school board is supposed to follow up with you. So it was a whole big thing of just putting it in writing so that me as a parent or anyone can, can say or manage our expectations of what we should be seeing from you as, as a school and then as a board, as an organization. So that was really, wow. That, for, that was a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> that was a lot, but yeah, that's, those were those things that pushed me to, to, to run. My oldest daughter experienced uh, bullying in middle school where they were putting ketchup in her hair and they were shoving her in the, the school. They were putting things down her shirt, like mm-hmm. other girls. And the school was in same school district. Okay. Let's just be honest here. Same school district. I mean, this is like a huge city with the same, they did not one contact me. I had to find out about my daughter. She had several incident reports that she did. Nobody did anything about it. These girls were still allowed to be in school. They never got punished. There was never any follow-up. I didn't know until my daughter came home and told me. And she told me after the third incident report that nothing had happened. My my husband, who's also in the military, uh, he knew I was a hot mess. And he was like, you're not going down there. I'm going down there. And so he had to go down there and like, listen, same thing, military. There's policies and procedures. What are yours? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to do? All of that sort of thing. And when you talk about your son being suicidal, a lot of people listening don't realize is not every counselor in a school is actually a certified licensed therapist. No. So they don't even have the tools to actually manage mental health problems with children, which is a huge problem. They actually had to call somebody in for my son the day that when we found that he, they wouldn't let him get on the bus, but they had to call somebody in from the outside. And I will say is my kids are in public schools because they're not terrible. It's not a terrible, I'm not in a terrible situation, but I cannot ignore if something could be better. And that doesn't stop. Even though um, we, we had an amazing election, we lost by 24 votes. We, but there's still things that, that doesn't take away mm-hmm. from the things that my issues are still my issues we're still going to make sure that we work towards things. And then I learned things along the way. So I think we're in a great, we're in a great district where you've got some amazing teachers out there. You've got some amazing principals because along the way, that's what kind of kept me going. Some teachers and and folks that were like, yeah, you need to, yeah, yeah, yep. They want to see it better too. But it's um, us as people that have to kind of push that, push that change. And now that we have an elected school board, I think that's, something that we can do as, as parents in the community and anybody who's in a community that you see, if you, you can use your vote as a voice and you can use your issue as a, um, something to fuel you. I agree. We don't have to sit back. And I've actually had conversations with my child's, my children's elementary school because of different things that have gone on with them. And I, you know, I've sat, sat down with the principal who is not a bad person in any way. She's no. a really nice lady, but sat down and said, listen, something's not right here. Something needs to change. 
Like, and, and I've seen just my voice. I'm not saying they changed policies or procedures because of my voice, but mine, along with other parents' voices, I've seen over the years where they made minor changes here and there that mm. have really helped, especially when it comes to bullying, um, especially when it comes to if your child's acting up and, and acting out in class. Yeah. Um, we had a problem with my middle daughter where she, for a whole year she was acting out in class. Now we've come to realize that that teacher and her just, they did not mesh well, which is, can happen. It's not the teacher's fault or her fault. They just have two, two not, uh, you mean they're humans. Yeah. They're humans. They're wrong sometimes. Right. <laughs> so when you were running for school board, what was that like? What was the process like for that? Maybe somebody's listening. It's like, you know what? I could get behind this. I could get started. You can with do it. You can do it. Like first say, yeah, you can do it. There's tons of right. resources out there to prepare you. I specifically used an organization, Vote Run Lead, but there's so many different things preparing folks to run for office, specifically women in a sense. Um, but I was able to find a really amazing support system and a really amazing, my campaign manager, who I we host your neighborhood together yes. was one of the main reasons that we were able to do the things and stay motivated and keep your head in it because running for office requires you to, as I say, use your village and mm -hmm. your village kind of has to show up. There is no way we could run if, you know, Christina, my son was my co-campaign managers with Christina. If she wasn't willing to say, okay, I'm going to take your, your son with me and we're going to go to these civic league meetings. And I had a friend who was like, all right, um, if you're going to be gone and your son's going to be out on the campaign trail with you, I'll, I'll be here fixing dinner for the kids and such. For my husband to say, you know, like, all right, you doing this? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it time-wise. He didn't like the time it took away from us. But hey, do what you're doing. I think it really just takes you remembering why you want to do it, right? And letting that ground you into doing it and then taking a step-by-step -step journey to understanding what it means to run for office. Again, all these different resources and having a great support system. Granted, my support system wasn't a huge group of people. It was probably about three, three or four people that just were there and grew into, Christina's like my family, you know, my neighbors. Um, and, and sometimes support system meaning is that person that's like, hey, I'm gonna give you five bucks for your campaign walking up the street. And you're like, yes. You know, like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I believe that's probably the hardest part, the fundraising aspect of it. But, um, but it was an amazing experience of knocking on doors and meeting people where they were in their neighborhood and mm -hmm. listening to so many different stories and um, figuring out how you can be a part of what the good things, be a part of giving people hope because there are a lot of people who just don't vote, who don't want to be a part because they something has given you know, has, has stopped their hope for possible change. And I think that's what we did a lot of, of actually listening to people. And it was hard work. <laughs> but I say, if you're thinking about running, do the homework about the seat, right? Find your issues and, and take it one step at a time. So you said fundraising was difficult. It was a hardship when it came to this. What other things would you say were the, like the biggest struggles for running for a campaign? Um, um, there are days when, um, just mental wise where it's a lot. So really overcoming and really, I have, like I say, sometimes I love myself. Sometimes I don't like myself. So, so, so on those days where you're not really loving and liking yourself as much, pushing through 
because you've got this purpose sense over you. That was really difficult sometimes. And I'll tell you that it was the kids saying, oh, are we going canvassing today? And I'm like, I don't want to canvass today. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I want to lay in bed. And, you know, um, but, you know, between that and um, I think uh, I wasn't able to be as, it was a lot of um, reactive parenting mm-hmm. for me. I wasn't able to be as proactive as I'd like to be as a mama. Um, so that was difficult. Um, but I, what, what helped me overcome that was I gave everybody a job. So yeah. my son had the job as a campaign manager. My daughter got to hand out um, um, literature. So that, like, that was her thing, finding out how to make the people I love the most and that need me to be present for them. A part of what we were doing was, was difficult. But once we got the hang of that, um, and then the, the political side of, of running for office, because if you really believe in what you, you, if you're, you've got your message and you just want to do good things, know that that doesn't even, it doesn't matter if you're a good person. It doesn't matter that there are people out there that, that want to play games. Yeah. <laughs> if that's the right word I'm looking for, that they want to play games and they, it's, it's, it's about, it, it, you know, I, we, kept a clean, positive message. And, and I think we did a really good job with staying, staying focused on the why we were doing, but that wasn't always the case. We had to jump through hoops on certain things and we weren't able to do certain things because there were just certain games that as a, as an, as a brand, we were not willing to, to do. And that was hard, but we did it. That, it was hard stomaching because you want to think, hey, this is school board. This is about Right, about the kids. But it is also an election, you know? It's, you just have to eat it. Eat it, eat shit like it's vanilla ice cream. That's what it's <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. But I mean, it's true. I mean, that sometimes is people's jumping off point for politics is something like school board mm-hmm. or even city council or something like that where that's their jumping off point and they want to start in politics, they're going to start at the lower levels, lower, I put that in quotation marks because you know it's just as important, mm-hmm. but, and work their way up. So that these people aren't like you, Jackie, where you're being wholesome and you're like, I really care about what's happening. Other people are like, I really care about how this is going to help me in the future. Mm-hmm. I think people forget that even you say, and that's okay to say lower level politics, but people forget how important local politics are to them on a daily basis, more so than the president or anything else. Yeah. Like it really does matter. And I am not mad at good people wanting to take the steps to do hone in on their craft to be better politicians and to be better political leaders. I ain't mad at them. Like, do I want you to be the best congressperson or senator or whatever it is. I want you to practice. I would not want my seven-year-olds to be like, all right, I'm good enough to be, let me go ahead and be the head of Google today. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want her to do the necessary things to be, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't look down at people from saying, here's where I'm going to start because here is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. As a military person too, I don't frown upon someone saying, as an enlisted person, your ultimate goal is like, I want to make chief. There's nothing wrong with you saying that out loud and doing the things that you need to do and taking the positions to get there. I don't have a problem with that. But guess what? You can't hide who you are along the way. Right. Um, it ultimately it will come out. And I think that that's probably difficult is realizing that there is also an ugly side to any level of progression, whether it's on the job, 
whether it's in politics, um, whether it's within a family, you know, mm-hmm. that's a competition. Some in some family, who's going to be the matriarch? You know what I mean? And people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, I'm the alpha here. I'm the yeah, alpha. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's who you, your character, it's more about character to me along the way than anything else. That, I don't, I love goal-oriented people. If you told me today, you know what, Jackie, I'm probably, I want to run for the school board, but ultimately I want to be on city council. Okay, that's great. What are you going to do while you're there? Do the things while you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, be a good person, a good citizen to the citizens that are looking up to you or needing you to do your job, do it well, and then move on if you so choose to. Agreed. It's like looking back down at women for being ambitious. I'm not doing that. That's not me. I'm not going to look at look down at anyone for taking a position as a means to advance. But I want you to be a good person along the way. You know what I mean? Yes. No, I completely agree. I, <laughs> I tell people this all the time. I'm like, yes, when I'm voting, I look at what the people's stances are because obviously that matters to me. But if I'm like, I, I don't lean either way per se, I'm kind of the middle ground. So sometimes I'm more Republican, sometimes more Democratic. But I say, you know what, if it's a close tie between two people, I'm going to go by which one do I like more? Which one is like the person that like, I can see them as a wholesome human being who I want to represent me and humanity. Yeah. There's a whole study on how pictures, Christina was always my campaign manager. She was always like, you know, your picture gets us a lot of I don't like, you know, people are so interesting. This whole study of people. It's like you look at a picture and you make a determination about what kind of person. (laughs) That's true. I mean, I won't just, that's not my sole determinant because obviously. I'm just saying there are people who look at pictures and be like, oh, this guy looks nice. (laughs) I'm going to vote for him. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? And I've had people say that. I love your picture. You got my vote. (laughs) <laughs> you know, look, look like a nice lady, Jackie. Let me vote for you. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> you know, I just want you to vote. That's all. <laughs> so are you planning on running for politics in the future? Or no, I don't have any plans in the future. I really love what I learned about myself is I love activism. And it would, it would really have to be something like perfect. Like it would have to be the perfect time and the perfect thing, but I don't have any plans. I really, right now, my, with your neighbor's hood, we're doing a lot of things that are revolve around civics and politics, which still feeds that, that side of, of my brain. Um, but I, I'm excited to see what young people are next. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm getting older and I'm not that old. Let me just say that. But <laughs> we're in the, we, we have a, um, well, I will say, I feel like after running, there's a level of social responsibility that, that I know I have because of all the social capital that I gained. And I met a lot of amazing young people and a lot of amazing young people's parents. And we're just trying to make uh, amazing people see how amazing they are and making a change in the world. And that is probably the best part of uh, the next phase of life. So that's where I'm at now. I always say that even if you don't have children, but you're around children, we should be trying to be role models for these children. Like, cause this is our next, this is the people who are going to be taking care of us when we're older. You're not much older than me, Jackie. So no. Like, <laughs> no. But I could be slobbing tomorrow and have to rely on some folks to come. <laughs> right. 
Right. And I mean, they're going to be our next presidents and senators and Congress people. Like this generation that we're raising right now, these are the people, because let's be honest, the, you know, our, our generation, they're already getting in there, you know, Mm -hmm. and they'll be in there for like 10, 20, 30 years. And then the next generation's who's going to take over. Right. And the thing about it is, is it, it is a positional thing for them because they are really leading now. Mm-hmm. They're already leading. Like I would never tell a child, you're a future leader. No, you are leading now, whether you choose mm-hmm. to, to do it or not. Somebody's following you. Somebody's looking at you and saying what they do or do or not like about you as a person and establishing positive peer pressure is real. And that's right. a part of the the pressure and the influence comes from somewhere among peers, young peers. So I just... I think we're in a great place to influence that and then to influence people about looking at who we are, why we are the way we are at, at our point in America and how do we be better citizens to make America a better place because we're always making, we're always getting better. I'd like to think. I agree. And when, it, you know, the slogan, make okay. America great again, let's go there is like, um, what? Like, how is that progress we've made in the last, like, 50, 100, 100, 200 years not great? Like, what does this make a great again? Like, Mm -hmm. I think it continues. We need to continue. And this is not for anybody listening who loves Donald Trump. Not trying to bash you here. I I don't know if I have any listeners who love him, but I'm just going to say is I don't like that slogan because I feel like we have so much progress to make that making it great again means we're going backwards. Like, we want to go forward. Well, the thing about that slogan, too, is, you know, that it's not an original slogan. I think Nixon actually was the first one to use it. I think so, too. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it is a long-standing ideology of those who have had, which are white males. <laughs> power. Yes. Like, of course, they, they want to go back to the time where they had free all the power. All the power. And <laughs> You know, I could, I see, I could see how someone in that position would feel threatened by the uprising of marginalized and minorities, that's women included. I could yes. see the threat in there and you wanted to make it, take it back to where you could just do and hammer. I, I understand that. Me too. But. I don't I, agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that. I can empathize with wanting, because I have children. I can empathize with saying, hey, my way or the highway. How easy is that if you've got complaints? But here's the thing is that we're in a space where fear is a real thing. Fear taxes are a real thing. And it's been that way for so many, so many years. Fear is definitely an unreliable master. And that I think people are waking up and realizing that I really don't have anything to be afraid of because I can act and create and inflict change, Absolutely. which is why we can vote. Yes. <laughs> I can Go we, vote, people. Yeah. Well, I'm saying you and I as women, right. can, we can vote. Um, which is why, you know, that they, we've made people update policies and procedures just based off of not being afraid to step up and say that, hey, if you're, you're going to make policies for this, you can make it for this. You know, we can't go back to something again because there's no again with America. It's, it's better. It's progress. It just, mm-hmm. If you just take the again off, it becomes a whole different message. And right. I think it is a message that... Um, that says that making that um, that being a part of America is a process to being great is that we continue and it is a choice too, right? Right. It is a choice, but we got to be mindful of great by whose standards. 
Yes, I know exactly. By whose standards? Yeah. Because I mean, personally, I think that the progress that we've made, especially right now where I'm sitting in U.S. history class and I'm hearing I'm from North North. We've had, we had this conversation on your, on your podcast is I'm from the North. So I learned a completely different filtered version of us history that I'm learning right now where I'm just like, what the hell, you know, but we've made so much progress since then that I want to continue to see the progress made. And that's for all citizens. No one group should be greater than the other group. And this comes gender, this comes sexual orientation, this comes race, all of the things. No one group should be better. Able-bodied, disabled body, everybody should be equal under the eyes of the law and in America, but we're not there yet. So we still have a lot of work to do. And you're doing some of that work. What are the ways that you're getting involved? You said you're not going to be doing politics, but you're doing activism. Well, I'm doing politics. I'm doing it. Yeah. But I'm running for office. Yeah. I don't, I don't plan on running for office. I'm yeah. hoping that people around me, that some amazing people run and I'm able to be like, yeah, 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 girl. Yeah. Run. Um, but um, so part of what, what was born of this whole, the whole idea or not the idea, the mission of running behind running for office was Christine and I started this journey of really, um, looking at race because it played a huge role in our election. Like we had to confront this like head on. We had to actually talk and have some conversations about what, what this world, what this city looks like for her and what it looks like for me and what it looks like for some of the people that we were talking to. So that, that's, that's the next phase of things. That's something that I think a lot of people should talk, which is part of the reason why we had you on, because right. what we know is that the that America is the most diverse country in the world, right? We that facts, period. Um, but we are so very segregated in our diversity, mm-hmm. and so what we're what we're on a mission to do is to bring people in different neighborhoods together. I call it like micro local activism. So we're taking our small part of the world and we're putting people that wouldn't ordinarily have conversations together. And we're talking about those conversations for the world to hear, which is why we have the Your Neighbors Hood podcast. And we're always, always like today's a work session day. We're exploring ways to get people to talk about history, which you're taking a history class, a beautiful thing. I think more adults, we, we need to take <laughs> we need right. to get closer to the real history so that we can be better citizens. And a real history class, not the filtered version of like, this was like all nice and tidy yeah. and everything was all right and everybody played nice and held the hands bullshit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of that, all of that. But the thing about it is, is Megan, we don't know because we were taught right. so differently. All of us were, all of us were lied to. And one of the things um, Christina and I are always the, the, on the podcast is like, trying to find the context of why things are the way they are. Because it can be tough for people to say, well, let's just talk about race and politics, and the, but things should be great. But no, 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 no. There's, there's a reason why people feel this way. People didn't wake up and start saying, oh, you know, America's still, you know, got some uh, is intentionally marginalizing certain communities, intentionally, you know, the laws are set up a different way, but we have to understand, we've got to get closer to history so that we can move forward. And so we are always, this is the, the goal in the next realm of the world, the next phase of things is to really, as an individual, as my, as an individual, get closer to 
what that history means for me and how I can use it to better educate my citizens and how you can use it to better educate your citizens because with the whole idea, not the whole idea, with the thing about racism is that it'll keep going mm-hmm. if we are not making efforts to affect it in our right. own minds, right? Because if I were to go out into this world and go into civics based off of what I learned and my own experiences, I could come off as probably being an angry black person that just wants to talk about how the world is against black people. And am I angry sometimes? Yes, absolutely. But I've learned the history of how people like me worked very hard so that I can be angry and not be arrested. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Be angry and not be killed. Right. And learned how to use those experiences to filter or to, to foster change. So, but we can't do that until we get to know the why things are the way they are. Yes. Why they were in my, why was my crazy uncle always talking about conspiracy theories that I'm like, oh, wow, they weren't conspiracy theories. This right. <laughs> why? So, yeah, I, I think that's where we're at right now. It's really about social change and collective action is, is where my mind and heart are right now. Yeah, we, we have to know where we came from to know how to undo all of the shit that's happened. And people don't realize, you guys mentioned it on your podcast episode about the, the Confederate memorials. And we're learning about that in U.S. history in my class right now, where he literally said the same exact thing you guys said in the podcast, where it was the daughters of the Confederate trying to like kind of gloss over the Civil War. And that's why they were erected. Well, people, if they don't know that right now, I should say white people, not people in general, white people, if they don't know that they didn't learn that part of history, they're thinking, why would you remove these these statues? These are our ancestors because they don't know the why of why they were put up there in the first place. Absolutely. That was a shitty why, because, yeah. oh, sorry, we're going to rub it in your face well, that, that you might be freed, but you don't have any, anything. You don't have yeah. rights. You don't have anything. You can't vote because we've now set up these rules that don't let you vote. Um, you know, we're going to rub it in your face that these were our, our ancestors, you know, mm-hmm. instead of, instead of absorbing that and saying we were wrong, we were shitty people. We did bad shit, but they didn't do that. They didn't own them to it. So now we you know, years, hundred years later, over a hundred years later, are now having to deal with the repercussions of that and undo the shitty things that happened. Yeah, and it's and, and to be real, quite frank, it's a shitty mind um, thought process, right? That has to be undone. And how do you tell somebody that what they're what they believe is is not is unnatural? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And that can be tough for white people to say, oh. Uh, what I was, what I was, what I learned, what I thought I knew isn't really what, isn't really the tr- truth or it's a truth that is layered in, in hate it right. is a truth that's layered. in. so it's hard it is the, you'll hear on the podcast, you heard Christina say like, this is not easy unpackaging um, people's thoughts and the way uh, why racism continues to go and why it's in policies and procedures and why it is so hard because then you're forced to look at people around you and say, man, you, you're, you're wrong. (laughs) You're wrong. And, And we're not in the business of tearing up families or anything, but we do want people to be in the business of growth. Mm -hmm. Right. We can be in the business of growth because if, um, 
when you know better, you do better. At least we'd like to think you do better. And, and that's all we want people to do is to know better and then guide them to ways of doing better. Because it's okay if you, if you realize, hey, I may have done or said some things that were racist or supported some policies and procedures that marginalized the community. But you know, I realized that, that that probably wasn't the way to go or that probably was a generalization of a group of people that shouldn't have been made or that I shouldn't have gone a little way with it. When you wake up and you recognize that, it's like, what do you then do? How do you be a good neighbor, mm -hmm. right? How do you get down to that local level of right in your own backyard and undo a lot of these things or be a part of the, the progress to getting more people to understand? Because the truth is more white people will listen to you than they'll listen to me about the daughters of Confederacy. <laughs> you know it's so true. I mean, yeah. and it's sad, but it's true. I, my, my family, we had this conversation on your, your pod, the podcast episode, which I'm going to link up in the show notes. It, they can hear it all day long on the news and stuff. But if I'm sitting there telling my grandmother, I finally got through to her about oh. saying the N word and not the, the one N word, but the other N word. And I'm just like, it's inappropriate. She's like, well, I don't understand why. Mm -hmm. And so I broke it on down for her. And she's like, well, then what do I say? So you could say black people. If somebody was born in America and they have generations, it's African American. That's fine. But you can't use that word anymore. And she's like, well, that was just my generation. I'm like that's not an excuse. Not an excuse to be an asshole, Meme. Thank you. And so we had a good conversation about it. Very open, honest conversation. And I can see her mind like creaking open just a little bit. I'm like, yes. Because she's right. That's where she, that's what she grew up with. Right. You know what I mean? And then now you don't want to be coming along as a granddaughter and be like, grandma, your generation was fucked up. How are you? You know what I mean? Like you don't want to, you don't want to do that. We want people to be able to have these uncomfortable conversations to where they are growing their minds. Like you said, okay, grandma, this is why. And maybe she could say, well, I don't care. And what you can say is, you know, I respect that, but here's what I'm going to do. And right. what I'm going to do with your great grandchildren. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, just doing better. Cause we know we're not, everybody's not going to see that, that we have a government that was set up based off of race and everybody's not going to, you know, agree and, and want to see things change. They're gonna say our, our founding fathers were these amazing men who loved all people. Not true. Not true. <laughs> but you know what I mean? the biggest slave owners out there. <laughs> yeah, but but it, it, it's, it's a hard thing, but we need people like you and many other people that are willing to have conversations with people, with other citizens that are close to them, with their moms, with their uncles, to just push it forward. That's all we can do. That's right. all we can do. And then figure out what they're passionate about and get active. <laughs> I love that. So Jackie, as we wrap up the podcast, if there was one thing or just a collection of things you'd like to leave the Inspired Women audience with, what would you want them to know? I would, I would want to say my always thing is just do one thing. Is, is we live in a time where we are, there are a lot of things pulling at us one way or another. My kids pull at me. My phone pulls at me. My life and desire to eat Oreos pull. <laughs> you know what I mean? All these things pull at me, but um, do one thing that is for a greater good in your community, in your own backyard. Just do one thing. And again, that one thing could be you trying to do better with your kids. That one thing another day could be I'm calling grandma and we're going to have that <laughs> conversation. That one thing, you know what I mean? Right. There's no, there's nothing too small. 
when we're talking about making progress in the world. There, nothing. There's nothing too small. So just do your one thing. We can't, at one, a single person isn't going to change the world if it was possible. It would have already been done. Right. <laughs> it's a ripple effect. I, I change my kids' lives. My kids will change other people's lives and so on and so forth. It becomes this ripple effect of people who are doing it. But it starts with us. If we don't take the action, there can't be a ripple. Yeah, and don't let your don't let the so don't let the world lie to you and say that you have to do all things. Because I think as women, as an inspired woman, I feel that pressure too to do so many things and be mediocre at so many things because I'm supposed to do so many things and not great at the one or two that I'm really passionate about. So I, that's that's kind of where I'm at in my life as I've narrowed down the scope of, of, of the things that I put that I hold in my hand and, um, and trying to be great at those little things, one thing at a time. I couldn't agree more. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Megan. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.